Hello. And welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I. The podcast where we go through the entire filmography of Tony Collette. I'm Sam. I'm Jake. And joining us today, we have a very special guest, Miss Ashley Sifflinger. Hi. And today we are talking about Please Stand By, released in 2017, written by Michael Jolamko, directed by Ben Lewin, about an autistic teenage girl who escapes her group home to submit her starstruck spec to a screenwriting competition. Uh, most important part of this movie, in my opinion, is that she has a tiny dog that she takes with her everywhere. That's the cutest thing I've ever seen. Have you guys ever seen a dog as cute as this dog? Um, yeah, I, I'm not really a dog person, so um, I have seen cuter dogs than this dog, but the dog was cute. <laughs> This dog was really, I, I had a lot of opinions. <laughs> Most of my opinions about the film were centered around the dog, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is a good movie, but I, I thought about the dog. The dog was adorable. What were your dog thoughts? Yeah. Um, Get him out of the way. <laughs> okay. My dog, my dog thoughts were that, uh, I thought that there were, I, I thought that the film was like um, good at being realistic. Like I thought that a lot of um, like runaway movies are like full of too much whimsy. Like no one gets mugged, and I'm like, how is this possible? So I really, it sounds really bad. So like I'm glad she got mugged. <laughs> no, that's made, so true. It makes sense that she got mugged. And my favorite example of this was when she's like um, in. She finally gets to like, like close to LA, and she needs to get on one more bus. And they were like yeah there's a bus at 8 a.m in the morning and so she's like sitting and waiting and then the woman who works there is like we have to close and she's like can i wait outside and the woman has like a moment where i it almost like felt like she was thinking should i invite her back to my apartment is it like safe for this young woman to be outside in the street but then mm -hmm. obviously doesn't because it'd be very unrealistic for them to be like come home with me sweetheart stranger yeah. Living, so it's like she did sleep on the street or like go on the street which is yeah. i thought that was fantastic it was very realistic um but with the dog i will say i was like i think that the director was like this is less realistic but it's very cute and i'm keeping it <laughs> yeah it's like annie <laughs> it had no of. leash yeah. in in san francisco and i was like what's happening i was like this dog needs a leash mm -hmm. that was my one I, that was my dog thought do we think it was realistic that the bus driver found out that she had a dog on the no pets bus and then just like l turned her loose in the middle of the desert that's what i was wondering as well she really just left her on the side of the road i mean it, it was another bus stop but like she can't get on another bus so it was just a little sign that said yeah like what was she supposed to do from there on out let me uh, turn this clearly mentally like like you know mental special needs girl out in the middle of the desert with a dog that was a girl boss moment. I thought you defend the bus your driver. Bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was also glad the bus driver was a woman. I was like, <laughs> I was like excited when she like came on. I was like, yes. I'm like, so, I don't know. What, I was like, there's not enough representation in bus drivers in film. Yeah. Um, I feel like I was, most bus drivers are women in my experience in film and in real life. I like refuse to ride a bus in New York City. I had like my really? I'm I'm from Long Island and oh so, so are you Sam? Um, yeah. But whenever I come in with my mom, uh, she like who had lived in the city most of her life. She grew up in Queens and like you know all these things. She like refused to go on the subway. She was like scared of the subway. She like just didn't want to take it. She's like you do that as a, as a last resort. Is so your mom Carrie Bradshaw? <laughs> no, she's not Carrie Bradshaw. Although, um, I an anecdote about Sex in the City is that I've never seen any of the episodes. 
or the first movie, but I have seen Sex and the City 2. Oh, God. And I saw it in theaters. <laughs> Why? That's the worst I, representation of the entire franchise, actually. Many people have said this to me. Like, <laughs> in the past five days, I, like, six people were like, you have seen the worst part of that entire... Because oh, my mom was like, let's go to this movie once. I was like, okay, mom. You probably but, have a good um, chance of getting like cast on the show, the reboot then, because like, that's like totally a talk show story. It's like, you know, I've never ever seen anything yeah. and they wanted me to play the lead. Oh my God. I would love to play like, what is, are they looking for Samantha's replacement? I would love to go in. Yeah. The only thing I know about Samantha is that she like likes sex. I know that. From oh, like, she likes it a lot. I yeah. know from the cultural ethos. And then also I know that at one point someone eats sushi off her body. No, actually, she puts sushi on her body and then her boyfriend is late. Um, so she ends up taking it off her body and telling him that she did it. That's, that's in the first sad. movie. Oh, I didn't see the first movie, but I knew that happened. The first movie is like two hours and 45 minutes for no reason. What? But it's really good. That's funny. Man. John Corbett. Um, Sam on Sex and yeah. the City is less toxic than he was on United States of Terra. So that's what I know about Sex and the City. I saw like the first season, I think, and then I She's continue. seen him. She, you've seen him. Ashley, you've seen him in it because he's in the second movie. He's the guy she accidentally cheats on her husband with in Abu Dhabi. So, okay, I remember them being in Abu Dhabi. I remember yeah. them getting buying eyeliner and there's this weird part that's like, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's offensive, but it's a little bit like tokenism, like cultural tokenism, where she's like, um, women who wear hijabs like can only show their eyes. So their eyes must yeah. be very, very beautiful. And it's like this weird scene where they're like in the market and she's buying eyeliner. I was like, even like then before I call like uh, culture has like caught up to being like, that's like kind of- a No, it is offensive. Super, it's not super appropriate. Even then I was watching it, I was kind of like, mm, this is a weird- yeah, Later in that movie, if you recall, they all, um, they go into the back room of this, like, I don't know where they are, but then like all these women take off their burkas and reveal their like oh, fashion, no. fashion dresses and high heels. And yeah. they're like, see, we're just like you. Oh, we no. love fashion. We don't need to wear our burkas yeah. in this but that's like storage room. Yes. If you pitched to somebody, I want to send the Sex and the City girls to Abu Dhabi. That's 100% like what would happen. Yeah, it's also it was like that. Like, yeah, it was like uh, they were. It was in like, well 2011, though. That movie wow. came out in 2011, which is two years before Miley Cyrus invented cultural appropriation. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to give it credit for that. Yeah. So on the subject of this movie, uh, <laughs> Tony is rocking the tasteful bob. I think you would call oh, it. I that absolutely hated i hated that hairstyle i that's my it. like least favorite tony hairstyle she's rocked it several times i just don't understand it like i mean it's very matronly i guess yeah i get yeah can i use that word i don't know it's like a character choice she's <laughs> supposed to be like the caretaker i guess so it's a visual cue to remind us that she's a grown woman Let's talk about who she is. As opposed to Dakota like, Fanning's youthfulness. It's true. Although, like, I was kind of into the haircut. I think that's the opposite. I was, like, kind of, like, I was, like, digging it. I thought it was, like, edgy and fun. When you were, like, a matronly, I was watching it. I was, like, should I get a, no. should I get a sassy bob? 
you're right. I'm just being hard on it because you know what she's it had is? similar you... hair before and it, this was like my least favorite iteration of that sure. hairstyle. No, you know what it is? Is that in evening, she had the same hairstyle, but she had those like horrible highlights or something. So okay. it, it, it gave me a sensory memory of that. She was but... also 10 years younger in that. So maybe it worked better as like an edgy goth girl. I thought it worked worse moment in evening. I thought it worked much better it... in this movie. I thought she was um, really great in this movie. She was. Yeah. I can't believe I'd ever heard of this movie either. Like a real, a real Dakota Fanning resurgence <laughs> was happening. Like I've Dakota privately, Fanning. like I don't care enough. Of, I mean, I care too much about this. What I'm about to say, I care too much about Hollywood's fixation on Elle Fanning over Dakota Fanning because I don't know. You know, like a few years ago when like Elle Fanning was all of a sudden the only Fanning working. Yeah. And then she and like nobody the explained why and where Dakota went. I missed and I was like, Dakota why Fanning. do we need I was like, why do we need another one? We already have Dakota. Like <laughs> Dakota could have played Sleeping Beauty in that Maleficent movie. But no, Elle had to. I'm like, why? What <laughs> they look the same. Elle is worse at acting. I don't understand. It's a youth. It's a it's Hollywood's fixation on youth. I just every time I watch either Dakota or Elle Fanning, I'm like, my one thought is, oh, you guys are clearly siblings. Like, you're the like, you guys, all, you're not, you don't look like twins, but like, you they kind of do. They're exactly very, very exactly the same. Yeah, like they're you and your siblings, Sam. But oh, she... do you have a sibling you look a lot alike? No, I think you all look alike in a way, in a related way, but not way. in a Dakota Elle Fanning way. Oh, you know totally. who looks alike? is uh, my brother Gregory and my sister Megan, especially That's now that true. Megan has her hair cut short. Do yeah. you guys know that I just got a friend request on Instagram from um, a Siflinger in Germany? And I was like freaked out because Siflinger is such an uncommon last name. And I thought that it's a, it's like a, it's like a Jewish last name. And I was like, I thought all the Europeans were like dead. Like I honestly was like, I thought that well, you got murdered. Like I, I was like, you're, there's, there's some left. Like in, like I thought that you all emigrated or died, which yeah. is like, a, I get a super sad thing, but it's like my family. I was like, I didn't know there was still some around. Um, and then I like clicked on his profile and it looked exactly like my father, but in like a very, like in like basically Lederhosen. And I was like, what is happening? Like it looked, it, this is like a young man. He's probably like 30. And I was, looked exactly like my father with like a very like funny German hat and like Lederhosen. And I was like, oh my God. That's crazy. Did you like wear talk Lederhosen? to him? Um, I have not messaged him yet because I wanted to, I messaged my aunt and was like, tell me all of like your dad's dad's like people, because I was like, mm -hmm. I know where that last name goes, like the paternal side and like my grandfather. So I was like, can you tell me all the names? So I could be like, what's our common ancestor? Oh yeah. But. Oh, I see you're drinking uh, wine as well. I am drinking wine. I might like get, I might like carry my computer into the room to get another, to get more. Anyway, um, should we summarize the prop? the plot a little a little more uh, i don't know yeah like maybe... well i mean it, it's basically like a standard road trip movie it's a road like, movie she, it's she's like trying to get Harry somewhere there's obstacles but um, but her sister is is alive and her, her their mom died yeah and her sister is um is this her girl name who is looks audrey familiar to me her name's alice eve that's the characters i mean that's the actress's name and she yeah. got the and credit. So I was like, who the fuck is this? But um, 
she uh anyways their mom died and she decided she couldn't take care of dakota fanning anymore because she's like special needs and she's 21 they say later but she's like you know she has a kid too she's like worried oh yeah, yeah not dakota, so but her, her sister, sister yeah. her sister is concerned <laughs> that dakota fanning is going to injure their ba- the baby during one of her tantrums so she sends her to live in a group home the movie opens on dakota fanning having been living there for a while yeah. she has a rapport with her caseworker she has a she, routine yeah. she you know she she loves star trek i actually should we open the can of worms now how do we feel about do you want to open the can of worms yeah you know what i'm gonna well. say right the portrayal of autism mm-hmm. like by non autistic actors and here's oh, my thing yeah. like apparently i think the other people in the group home were actually played by um because they were credited actors. as themselves yes um and there's that whole argument where it's like sometimes a specific portrayal is not really able to be done. That's what's happening with like Sia's little movie she's making now that like she's getting a lot of backlash for and she's like yelling at people all over the internet because like she cast that, that girl who dances thing. for her. She's like, no, fuck you. An autistic person could never memorize a script. Um, I uh, cast this movie. Well, that, I, she shouldn't say. And that's the thing is that it is a spectrum. So I kind of understand I don't, for example, this movie. With with the black yeah. balloon, it made sense right. to have the role played by a non-autistic person because that character it is like non-verbal. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this, Dakota Fanning's character is more able to okay. maneuver. He's <laughs> much more high functioning, like in, but at yeah. the same time. But also high functioning versus low functioning is kind of an yeah. invalid spectrum anyway. That's true. I mean, it's a spectrum anyway. So it's like, what are you, you it's like, also what like are we're you. We're comparing it to like uh, non, people not on the spectrum. So it's a little bit like bio. It's a, it's like a little bit ableist yeah. to even say that. Yeah, For sure. that's true. But it's hard not to because we live in, it, it, we're only like, I think cracking the surface of like ableist language and like ableist portrayals. Like we're just starting to talk about it. So like all yeah. of the, my thoughts and language on it is, is pretty ableist just because of like the society. Oh, exactly. Like all, it's, it's like of, hard to talk about kind of. Mm-hmm. It is. And that's why the representation is such an interesting, like, for example, in an early stage of, we're still in early stages of, of these stories being told in a like mature way or like an authentic way, so to speak. So if you have, like, it's not Forrest Gump, right? Yeah. But it's the same thing with like movies, like for example, like trans actors, trans stories weren't being told. They started being told with cis Cis actors. And then now they're being told with trans actors. So it's like, I feel like starting the conversation is important, even if it's not all the way, you know, the right representation, it's still there. And that's the main argument for a lot of people. But I wonder, like, you never know. Like, they never name exactly what her condition is, probably on purpose for that reason. Yeah, but it is, like, I mean, confirmed to be autism. Like, the I saw, I read an interview with the screenwriter where he was talking about how he got the idea for the movie. He read a New York Times article about how autism presents differently in women. And how he sort of catered the screenplay to tell the story of an autistic person. Uh, He said that his issue with movies like Rain Man was that they were 
the caretaker's story, not the autistic person's story. And that his goal with this was to have the autistic person actually be the main character, which is something that I was very pleasantly surprised by the level of like empathy that the script seemed to treat Dakota Fanning's character with. But it is definitely like for sure should probably should have been played by an autistic actor. That being said, Dakota Fanning did a very good job. Oh my God, she was so good. I'm still thinking about her like, her just facial expression. It was like, you know, not to sound, you know, ableist, but like, it was the same, pretty much the same facial expression, like, for so much of the time, because she was like, you know, not expressing emotion very well. She had to learn yeah. about emotions, but it was like, still, it like had so many variants to it. I don't, need, I can't even explain it. It's there was just like, like a ton like going on behind her eyes. It was like very, yes. um, it was like very obvious that she was like highly, highly intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, and like taking everything in and like had emotions, but like just, just didn't express them the same in the way that people who aren't on the spectrum express them. Um, and mm-hmm. so it was like really powerful. Like it didn't feel um, like a caricature of like a person on the yeah. spectrum. And like, I, I agree. Like, I think that like we need to start casting people sure. on the spectrum to play people on the spectrum. But that being said, I also think it's, um, I don't think it like invalidates every film ever made like before. Be, like like kind of what you were saying it's like it does i just think it's like people weren't having that conversation then and even a few years ago like the needle has moved quickly and it it, it is treated with such empathy that it's kind of mm-hmm. like i i thought it was i thought it was really good yeah i also i also think that much like any other film it has its strong points and it has its weak points mm. yeah i'd be interested in um our uh, our other guest kind of dropped out suddenly today, but I probably should have asked like an autistic person to come on for this episode. But I felt weird going into like a catalog of autistic sure. people and being like, "Hey, you've got autism. You want to come talk about autism?" Yeah, because uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like I'm really curious at like what someone who is on the spectrum would feel about it. I was also yeah. going to say like a quick recommendation. Have you guys seen this? I don't ever watch reality television shows. That's not like a brag. I just, I, I'm sorry. It sounds like I'm like, I am above it. No, you don't sound like that at all. I, I love the show Chopped and like uh, Hell's, like all the like garbage reality cooking shows I watch. So like, sure. I'm not above it. But did you guys see Love on the Spectrum? No, I haven't. Okay. I thought it was going to be really offensive. Like I thought it was going to be like, these are people on the spectrum trying to find love. It's super not effective in my in my opinion. I would also like to hear someone's opinion who is on the spectrum. But uh, it talks so much about how it presents differently in women, and sometimes women aren't diagnosed Interesting. until they're well into their twenties, and like how it's wow. like really fuck. It's all it's like super patriarchal. Basically, it's like no one has studied. People just like haven't studied enough women on the right. spectrum. Um, yeah. But I thought the movie was like kind of in good conversation with it, like for further research it's a great it's a it's a pretty touching show this is a very tangential thing but on the subject of women not being researched i was researching this um antidepressant that i'm about to start taking today and it was giving data on the rates of sexual dysfunction and they were all in men it was like two percent of men had difficulty achieving orgasm on this dose and three percent of men had difficulty achieving orgasm on this dose and i was like well do you but don't 100 percent of women have difficulty achieving orgasm like all the time with with depending on who their partner is that's true as well um i was like 
I was like, with some partners, like a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, um, so Sam, are we not going to be on the same antidepressant anymore? No, we're not. I'm taking Pristique starting tomorrow. No. No. I'm just kidding. I've never heard of that one. It's um, it's not an SSRI. It's an SNRI, which is like different, apparently. Is it like an INFJ versus an <laughs> INFP? That's exactly what it's like. So I thought Sorry. that it was, uh, I thought that Sorry. it was funny how in Dakota Fanning's sisters in the movie's first appearance, who we can call Elle Fanning, I guess. We can call her in like um, middle-aged makeup. Yeah. She's making coffee for her husband, but they don't have any milk. Oh. So she just squeezes some breast milk into the coffee. That was insane to me. And yeah. her husband was like, hmm. I was I like, is she on the spectrum weird. too? But guess what? We all are. Yes. I thought that was such a funny, weird moment because she didn't have a lot of, um, she didn't have like, I, I don't want to say she didn't have nuance, but like they didn't explore her character as a human being a lot. They explored yeah. it in relationship to other people. You know what I mean? Like it was like, she was the main character's sister. But the yeah. basically the only bit of information we received about her was that she put breast milk in her husband's <laughs> coffee. And like, what a weird thing to be like, this is yeah. the one thing. I, and then later, when she I, leaves to go pick her up, she says there's plenty of breast milk in the fridge to her husband. Yeah. There's just I, a lot of breast milk conversation. What I did love about that moment, though, was that I feel like in a lot of like autism media, which the extent to which I've seen is like um, parenthood. And then I saw one episode of Atypical. Uh, but I feel like there is this impulse that creators sometimes have to have like an autistic character and then their foil will be like super charismatic and super popular and that will often right. be a family member. But I did think that it was nice yeah. that um, Wendy's sister in this was also kind of offbeat in her own way and like not yeah. necessarily making all the right choices all the time that's uh, true i also I, that's like a great that's a really great point i didn't think of that but i love that and the other thing i wanted to say about wendy was that um wendy is dakota fanning's, fanning's character's name yeah. also oh no the sister um, okay, so Wendy is autistic. Audrey yeah. is Audrey. Audrey, Audrey, Audrey uh, gave her husband breast milk. Yeah, Audrey who gives her husband breast milk. I did not <laughs> love Audrey's husband. I felt like he was like a little um, like the. I just like when she when she was like she can't stay with me, you know. Like I have a husband. My like rage radar like just like peaked a little, and then she's like, mm -hmm. plus I have a kid and you know, she could hurt the baby basically. And I was like, is that, like, I don't know. I got like a little sassy in my brain about towards the husband. And then later when she's like, okay, so she's somewhere between here and LA, I'm going to go like look for her. And he was like, what are you gonna, like, what are you talking about? And it's like the way he said it irked me because I was like, yeah. I, I would just, if that was me and I'm like, not saying I'm a nice, even a particularly nice person, but I would probably just like drive around and see if I could like see her on the street. You can't just like sit at home while your sister's missing. That was, was such like, a weird, that, that was husband, a very bizarre thing. Yeah. He was very absent. I thought he was not even, his role wasn't fleshed out enough for me to even be angry either way with him because it was like, either make it the fact that like he feels threatened by her and she's looking for an escape. There was just not enough fleshed out there. One time they cut to their scene and it was like him about to surprise her with something. And then she immediately gets a phone call 
that she's missing. I'm like, there was no, I feel like maybe they cut some stuff because they figured it, it wasn't important. But I'm it just does like, seem like every time the husband is about to have a trait, it cuts to another scene. Which, even yeah, when Audrey, care, even but. when Audrey is talking to Wendy in the beginning and she's like, so, you know, my husband just got a new job. And then immediately she's like, I wrote a Star Trek script. It's <laughs> like the screenwriter was like, I'll figure out what the husband does for work later. And then yeah, for every other scene, he was like, I'll write something else for him later. But I also don't like, I did um, appreciate that there was very much like one main character. Yeah. It is about her. Um but I also yeah. did just like really like this movie, so I'm hesitant to critique it on any sure. level. <laughs> so yeah, I'm taking I... like non-fleshed out characters and I'm going, actually, that was a good thing to do because uh, I liked it. It made me a little um, stressed, like even more so than a lot of movies I've seen lately because I was just so worried about her. Like I texted you in the middle. I had to stop watching when she was on the bus and the dog was getting out because I was like, What's gonna happen? I'm so worried that she's by herself. Yeah. Um, and then like later when she gets mugged and then um, yeah. like, I mean, that was, that could have been way worse, obviously. Uh, how about when she gets into a literal like bus or like a car, a bus accident with a, a an old folks home That was my band. favorite thing. My favorite they thing is that they dropped the fuck out of that. We don't even know if they lived or died. <laughs> Yeah, like the woman who Truly. was so nice with the we glasses, spent... who like was like, "Don't overcharge her." Love that was like the best. She was awesome. Yeah. big fan. And then like she was like, "I have a grandson like you." Did that woman make it? I don't <laughs> think so. Well, I don't I think. I mean, so. I don't think Dakota thought about it because it was she was very single minded. She wanted to turn in her script to Paramount Pictures. Yeah, but like literally, what happens? I don't. First of all, we don't even know why the old folks are driving themselves to L.A. Then they're on the road in the middle of the night. The driver is falling asleep behind the wheel. And then he, apparently, next thing you know, cut to Dakota Fanning waking up in the ER going, welcome to Cinnabon. Because you know, she works at Cinnabon, which we didn't mention yet. Um, and we don't ever hear if the old people made it. She doesn't ask. She does not care at all. Seeming to be My favorite she, part of this subplot is that ostensibly they're taking the bus back home to their retirement village sure why is one of the retirees driving the van isn't that like antithetical to the idea of assisted living yes and it was yeah. like a broader present like the acting in that moment that the older man driving the bus was in a different film than everyone else and i loved it i was totally here for it i loved this it was one of my favorite parts is that everyone was doing like fairly grounded acting Eat, like like Dakota slash L was excellent, but everyone else and so is you know Tony, but everyone was doing like grounded. It was like in the same world. This old man was like an old tiny, like he was like like he was like comically snoring. He was like oh, like waking up really <laughs> dramatically, and I loved it. It's like I I just thought it was he was like best actor award. I kind of love. I would have loved if the if we had seen the van just like fully just plunge off a cliff into the ocean. Before cutting like to her waking movie, up in the um, hospital. Happy Madison, Billy Madison. When the like bus, have you seen Billy Madison? I have not. I have. Kind of, yes, oh, and they say O'Doyle some, rules. Does yeah. something I've go off a cliff? Way too many times. I've seen that movie. I was like forced to watch that movie probably like nine hundred times as a child. Oh my god. Is that like Billy Elliot? No, no. it's uh, it's it's just like a classic Adam Sandler. 
Oh, see, I don't I don't watch Adam Sandler movies really if I can help it. Yeah, yeah I, was, um, I, was, I was like, a, I had an older brother, you know what I mean? Like, I, I watched a lot of it. No, I have no, I don't judge you. I was thinking about like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Have you guys seen that movie? No. Oh. There's a video, there's a part where a, a truck drives off a cliff. It, it, there's a lot of Nazis in the truck, so it's a good thing. Oh, that's great. Um, Indiana Jones pushes or drives them off, I think, because he's trying to save the day. Um, Wait, Sam, I, I wanted to like, sorry if this is backtracking or changing the subject, but is it, is it a male screenwriter? Yeah, it is. Oh, that's really? interesting because I thought it was like fairly feminist. I like that's what I I was very pleasantly surprised. Oh, that it's a male, based on a play. Yeah, a male oh. director and a male screenwriter. I'm on the like, IMDb right now. The discussion of like her checking to see if she has her period, mm-hmm. um, and like mm. which like I just like enjoyed as like a thing, and it was it wasn't like. I just enjoyed the way it was handled. Like that's like no big deal. Like it is for yeah. Women. It was very frank. And also when she's like, I check by like putting my finger on. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I mean, I makes sense. Like it wasn't yeah. like I wonder, a, yeah. No, I just saying. I wonder if um. I wonder if the play. I wonder how the play how it works on stage with like the whole road movie aspect. Yeah. That's well, yeah. The play. Um, I read that interview. And he said that the play was just a one act and that it was basically just the first act of the movie. Which is until when? (laughs) When she drives off the cliff? I think it might end with her driving off the cliff, yeah. I like, oh, you know who I liked? Um, Her coworker at the Sotenabon who I like a crush Nemo. Nemo's cool mix. Nemo's yeah, cool it was mix. Nemo's cool mix for Wendy. That was the cutest thing. And then she puts it on her iPod Nano. That's also another thing. The play came out in like 2008, which I think accounts for the technological um, mm. things. But well, I mean, she might not have the it, most up-to-date iPhone in the group home. I mean, you know. Well, she, it was an iPod Nano from like 2004. Oh, yeah. I used to have a Nano. I used to watch movies. Um, every night I would watch the same movie at 3 a.m. in my bed um, upside down on my iPad Nano because I liked the way they walked upside down. What movie oh was God. this? The Golden Compass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that movie is. Um, it's that, it's that, um, it's that movie about- I feel like the, it's like a baby Saoirse Ronan in that movie or something. It's, it's not her, but Saoirse. it looks like her. It's uh, like Nicole another Kidman plays her evil, mysterious mother and classic mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman role. But it's like an alternate universe with polar bears, you know, and like they, everybody it's like has a every human. Ha- and it's the Catholics hate it because in the book series, um, they kill God at the end. Um, it was banned. Yeah. In the early two thousands. I love when Catholics. <laughs> Sounds bad. I was like, I, I love when Catholics hate things. It brings me joy. I want it's- Catholics to unban Harry Potter now that J.K. Rowling's evil. Yeah. And, oh my God. Wouldn't that be like the worst, like the twist of like, she's like comes out of tur- as a turf and now uh, Catholics she's unbanned. Are like, Catholics are like, okay. I'd be like, God. oh God. The Pope is the Pope is more woke than her now. Pope's, Pope's woke. Wow. Now time to ask JK Rowling her thoughts on child molestation. Absolutely not. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, this is interesting. This IMDb fact, ready, Sam? Tony Collette previously appeared in Mary and Max, a movie about a girl who becomes pen pals with an autistic man. Yeah, this is her third autism movie, actually. 
it's and her like countless film that deals with like mental um illness in general illness not disability like illness spectrums um conditions she it's a passion of hers and i appreciate that you know what i sensed from her performance that was fun that she was both um uh committed but tired is like it's an exhausting job someone who like like works day in and day out it's a very challenging my um my aunt uh uh was like a a special ed teacher and Mm -hmm. like she would she would always like be like it's yeah it's like incredibly rewarding but also like it is exhausting you know and like even when she's um like on her one-on-one with dakota l um and like, even when she's like, the fact that she didn't, I actually really like the detail that she didn't finish the script. Cause she's like fucking tired. This is like a 400 page script. This is like yeah. extra homework. It was 427 pages, right? Yeah. Like that's like, and, um, I don't even know how many hours that is. Yeah, she worked a full day. She's a single mom. And like, it's she's like nice enough to bring it home and like attempt, but then she's like, I'm going to bed. Like, I liked that it wasn't so Hollywood that she was like, I read it. I couldn't stop. I, I was up yeah. to four in the She's morning. She's in the bathtub like, oh my God, this Star Trek <laughs> I, script, fanfic. It's so script. good. <laughs> but I do love that Patton Oswalt loves the concept because he's such a big Star Trek nerd in this. He appears as a cop like 20 minutes from the end and he was listed in the cast list on Hulu and probably mm. in the opening credits. And I spent the entire movie being like, where's Patton? Where that is was he? my favorite. That was that's Wait. that's I loved because I was like, this Did is the latest share? cameo. Did he share a scene with Tony? I, when they yes, he did. Right, very briefly. briefly. Yeah. So he was on United States of Terra with her, as our listeners may know. He and he and Tony were probably on set and, together for like a day, which I want to like, know oh, hey. if they're friends. I want to know what they caught if they sh- shot the shit about. About Tara and Neil and what they're doing. I want to know if they FaceTimed Rosemary DeWitt. And there she was like, oh my God. She's like, I'm filming um, La La Land right now. Um, I was almost a little fired up, but that was later. But no, wait, you know who else is um, in Tara who's in the movie? The cop, the other cop. Wait, wait who was she in Tara? No, I was thinking that she was the uh, marriage therapist from Big Little Lies. She is. Who is she, she on is. Tara? She's the woman in the first season, which I always forget too, but she's the woman in the first season who is like at oh, the mental health she... facility with Tara. And then she's like graduated <gasps> oh, from her having right. alters. And she's like, you will learn someday. That, but you know, they're whatever. I don't forget what she says, but that's yeah. the one with the snow. At the wow. End. Wow. Yeah. But in this movie, she was like, bro, you speak a foreign language? When he, So Patton Oswalt coaxed Dakota Fanning from behind a box in an alleyway in L.A. Um, by speaking Klingon to her. And that was a very charming moment. I, I did not know Klingon was like a language that one could acquire. And I thought, it, oh, it really is, apparently. Wow. It's like Elvish. I didn't in, know that was a language one could acquire. And I think you can acquire Dothraki from Game of Thrones, but I'm not positive. I mean, Jesus. Amelia Clark can speak it, but Jesus Christ! I, I mean, Harry Potter it. is a lot of things, but it's not got a language barrier. Yeah, that's for sure. it's like I, I would have learned spells. it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I've read those books like truly like dozens of times. Like I was, I had a problem with my obsession, and I remember all the spells, but like I'm not. I, there's no language. Can um, I be honest, real quick? I 
I don't want to diagnose myself myself with anything. And I don't want to be problematic at all. However, when the boys at the mall, the Cinnabon are quizzing her on Star Trek trivia and she knows everything and they're freaking out because she it's because of her, I guess, autism or whatever. And I'm like, I know the name of every single chapter in the Harry Potter series, as well as like many other things that I've memorized in order. And I'm kind of like concerned that I know too many facts that I've memorized. Do I have like a mental thing? Is That's that a- what I feel like part of, I am always wondering whether I have autism as well. Okay. There you said it. Somebody <laughs> said it. Didn't have to be me. And I think that that's why, like, you know, people say everybody is somewhere on the autism yeah. spectrum. It's just that it's like reach- being gay. Yeah it, yeah, it reaches a point where it becomes like diagnosable, and I think that yeah. that point is the point where it starts, uh, like, preventing you from living your life. True. Thank you, Sam. This has been what I've been thinking about honestly for the past week. Me? I've been been thinking about I've been thinking about this for like years to be honest I think it's like Uh, there are certain things that are like um, I think if like I didn't struggle having challenges reading social cues is like when it mm -hmm. starts to be diagnosable Mm -hmm. because it starts to be kind of like an impediment to people like sure uh, like interacting in society, like in the same way that we interact in society. So if something's an impediment to yourself only, it's a little bit less diagnosable probably than like an impediment to interacting in the world. Is that? I think so. Yeah. Because even with so. regular um, mental illness, I mean, you always hear about people with any other mental illness being like, I suffered in silence and that's why I never got diagnosed. Like I had depression, but I would still get up and go to work every day. I would. Right. So then people which is like a byproduct of capitalism. People yes. are like, well, something could be making you miserable, but if it doesn't impinge on your ability to, you know, make produce and make money for the system, yeah, then like who gives a fuck? Um, but I think that as long as you're like happy with your life and <laughs> I don't know. I think I am. Plus there, Please. plus also, I mean, people, there's, I feel like there is this image of the autistic person as being like perpetually alone in a sense, because there's the image of the autistic person in a room full of neurotypical people and people without autism. But I think that as you grow up and as you sort of get to choose your own social circles, then you sort of Mm -hmm. start to find your people and maybe your autism like sort of presents itself less because you're not so stressed out about trying to hide it all the time in the, in this weird sort of uh, like thing that doesn't make any sense. That's, that's a good point. I mean, yeah. and I don't mean like your autism, specific, I mean like the editorial. Yes. Autism. Like s- the spectrum is less, I don't know, relevant or not relevant, but it's like, if you have that strict routine of school or whatever, like you, you're, you know, you go, the reason young people are in these like homes and stuff is because it's like, well, you know, you've lived your life, but there's, there's such a routine to the first like 20 years of your life. So I'm trying to say, so it's like, Mm -hmm. if there's not as much routine and you just have to go to work, then there's more room to like breathe. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but you know what I'm saying. I feel like there's, I've never wondered like uh, that for myself, but I did like recent, a friend, a really close friend of mine recently was like, are you dyslexic? And I was like, she was like, I'm sorry. I was like, no, I'm not. Like, 
why did you ask me if I'm dyslexic? And she's like, don't, she was like this, oh man, she's like, this is gonna sound bad. I was like, no, 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 like we're very close. You know, I was like, tell me, what, why do you think I'm dyslexic? And she was like, well, when you text, it's like, it's like very, it's like sometimes, like you text in a way of someone who reads way less than you. And it's like, honestly, like it's gonna, maybe this is on PC, like less educated. You're like, you misspell constantly, which is true about me. Like I have really, really atrocious spelling and I read a lot. Mm. And she's like, that's strange to me. They're not hard words that you're misspelling. So I, she's like, yeah. my brother's dyslexic. And I noticed that in him. So I was just wondering if you're dyslexic. And so I was like, oh, you know, what's really funny is like, I don't have any issue reading though. So I don't know. Oh. And I was like, but my mom can't spell like any word. And I assumed it's because English is her second language. And I assumed it had to do with like that. And my whole life, I was just like, oh, that's because of that. And it's unrelated to me, blah, blah, blah. And then I did some research online. This was like a month ago. And there's this, uh, like, I guess it would be like a learning disability called dysgraphia, where you have hmm. uh, basically no memory of what word, you have no memory recall for what words look like. And so like, oh. it's actually very common in like people who love to read. And then like, also it's common even in writers. They just like, can't remember what a word looked like. like they can't spell it. And I was, they were like, a test is like, if you try to like, someone that gives you a random word and then you try to like spell it, it, like, can you actually visualize the words? Because most people can visualize the words. And I was like, people are visualizing words. I can't visualize any word. And so when like, you read, oh. do you see yeah. images for everything? Um, no, I mean, I, I actually feel like I do. That's, um, what's that thing with like colors and numbers? Synesthesia. Oh, I have a little bit of that, but okay. it's more so that like, if you said the word, if you gave me like a longer word. Um, dictionary. Yeah, I'm like D-I-C, I have no idea after that. Okay. Wow. Like it's just like see, my mind goes blank. When I read and I think of words, I see only the word. I like, it's word only for me. It's oh, so bizarre. So I memorize things as words. And then pictures are pictures are quick, but they're secondary. It's so bizarre. And like people are just now realizing that other people see or, or like, I, I, there was like a viral tweet recently that was like, oh, do you read, do you see words in your head or do you see pictures first? And people were like, whoa, you see pictures, you see words? I'm just like, yeah, it's bizarre. And I think that's why I like memorize things is because, but when I memorize things, it's because I see them in order and I see the yeah. words in order. Mm -hmm. And like when I memorize dialogue, it's like as an act, like acting. So sure. it's like, it's just interesting. I don't know. Like yeah. everybody sees yes. things differently. Yeah. Imagine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, do you see pictures or words? I, I see words. Do we have any other notes before we move on to awards? Um, I just love, I like Dakota, the meta level of Dakota Fanning arriving at a film studio at the end. Um, Cause it was like, this yeah. is, it was like, I was like, the people at Paramount are probably like, oh, Dakota Fanning's here. Oh, and that fucking asshole guy who won't let her turn in the script, <gasps> but then she just throws it in the shoot anyway. Something that I loved about that performance is that I felt like, okay, there's that moment. And then there's the moment where it's like no dogs allowed on the bus and she gets kicked off the bus. There are a few mm -hmm. moments in this story where there are like social rules that don't right. really exist for any particular reason. Like yeah. rules that definitely could be bent if the person was fucking empathetic, mm -hmm. uh, but they but they don't bend the rules, and Dakota Fanning suffers for it. Particularly so, for someone who clearly has a a social disorder. It's yeah, like, 
Why are and you not? The the level of like rage that I felt at like the system at these neurotypicals for like oppressing her, I thought was such a good. I thought that it was a very good narrative tool to like instill empathy in the audience for people who have autism and have trouble mm -hmm. like reading social cues and following like social etiquette things because we grow to connect with this <clears throat> character throughout the story that by the end it's like what fucking rule like can we just ignore it because she's cool and she wrote this incredible script which i thought was exactly. very nice yeah it was like interesting that it all came down to like that your rules are kind of dumb which was really nice right. because a lot of like in the beginning she's trying to learn neurotypical rules she's like this is a sad man you know and like her being like why which mm -hmm. is like it's easy for like us to look at that and be like that is someone who is on the spectrum but also right. like it kind of reverses it for you when she's like why <laughs> it makes no sense mm -hmm. um i also wanted to say that i loved when she was like do you know how hard it is to write something like mm -hmm. and she like yelled she, like, she kind of said it twice she, like do you know how hard it is to write something not only because that was like a great line and it's true like to actually do something but also because it made me think of like the writer at the end of his screenplay being like do you know how hard this was this Literally. is so hard to write very clearly um, written by a writer yeah yes a writer wrote that line <laughs> do you know um i actually one more thing to say about similar thing is that I've actually read before that Star Trek is like very empathetic in general towards people of all kind of neuro um would it be neurotypical or atypical or whatever um like because Spock is like this human kind of I don't really know the terminology yeah, in Star and Trek. Tony's, I really and don't son, know Star Trek. Tony's yes. son hangs a lampshade on that near the end. Yes. He says she probably likes Star Trek because Spock is basically an autistic character. And then, and then Tony's, Tony's like, like, oh my God. Fuck. She's like, I am I literally work with autistic people and I didn't know this? What's wrong with me? I'm such a boomer. That was, that was the moment <laughs> I left. Yeah. Um. God, I feel like there was something else that I was going to say, but oh yeah, one line that I really liked was when her dog was following her down the street and she was telling him to go home and she goes, go home, Pete. You can't come with me to Paramount Pictures. <laughs> I thought that her calling it by the full name was so funny. And yes. so she real. She always did. Yeah. I wanted I've to been there actually. To Paramount? Mm-hmm. I took a tour when I was like 15. I, I didn't know that you'd ever been to LA. <laughs> Oh, I've been to LA four times. What? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Did you not know that? What is the name of Harry Potter book four, chapter seven? Uh, Bagman and Crouch. Fucking love that. Okay. Uh, before we move on to awards, there is a segment called Is It Better Than Madame? Jake, your favorite movie that we've covered so far has been Madame. How does Please Stand By measure up? Well, uh, I don't want to offend you, Sam, because I know you really like this movie, but I actually don't think it, I don't think I personally, I think it's a, I actually really like this movie. I don't think it's as good as Madame. For me, I think I might rewatch Madame because it's more of my zhuzh, but I don't hate this movie and I highly commend Dakota Fanning, uh, Dakota Fanning's performance. So no, it is not. Incredible. Here on the Tony Awards, we deliver three awards to each and every movie, first of which is best prop. So Ashley, what was your best prop? My best prop was the dog Pete's sweater that I think Elle Fanning, Dakota Fanning knit for, for the dog. 
Yeah. It was like, I, cause she was knitting and it looked hand knitted. And it was, I was like, I knit and it's hard to make a dog sweater with the Star yeah. Trek logo on it. So that's my favorite prop. That is so cute. I loved when Tony was on the phone with the nurse, who's Tignataro's wife in real life. Um, oh. Stephanie Lynn had a cameo in this as the nurse who's on the phone with Tony. And Tony's, and she's like, we have a, a, a John dog here. There's a dog who we don't know who it is. And Tony goes, is it wearing a sweater with a Star Trek logo on it? And she looks at the sweater and it's kind of like, I, I don't fucking know. Oh my God. I didn't know hospitals called live people Jane Doe's. That was a new, that was news wow. to me. And they also couldn't just ask her her name. She's right. conscious. Okay, so oh. uh, my best prop was Tony Collette's kazoo. What about oh, yours, Jake? Mine was the breast milk. Amazing. <laughs> but also, actually. We already talked about that. So can I say the very annoying plot device that is in almost every single piece of media that is the mysterious bathroom escape window. Because uh, every single time, I mean, she did subvert it by hiding in the cabinet and they thought she went through the window, but I'm like, why does, why does every time someone goes to the bathroom in anything, they just jump out the window? Yeah. Anyway, that was my best prop as well. And the breast milk. <laughs> Uh, the next award is best Tony moment. So Ashley, do you want to go into more detail about yours? Yeah, my best mo my favorite Tony moment is just she bursts into her sunroom and she's like, we gotta go. <laughs> it's just, um, that's like sort of me doing a really bad imitation of John Mulaney's we gotta go. This is like, you have to yeah. watch New in Town many times to know what I'm referencing. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, um, but yeah, she bursts into her son's room and it's like, we gotta go. My patient's escaped. And I just, my patients, that sounds really bad. My, uh, the, the young woman I work with has left the facility. Yeah. Um, Elvis has left the building. L Fanning has left the building. Yeah. I just thought it was like well acted, but also um, I liked that she wasn't like, um, she wasn't like a careful mother. And I appreciate, she was not a helicopter mom, mm. which I liked. She was yeah. really like cool. She was like, you can get with it. Put your fucking clothes on, like chop chop. What about you, Jake? Yeah, I mean, mine's not really a specific moment, but I really appreciated her patience as this character with like everybody. Like, it's clear that she knew that this kind of, this this woman would not, would be a very patient woman. So even when she's like panicked that, that uh, Wendy ran away, she's very just like, I mean, she's upset, but she's like very controlled. She's like, I know what to do. This is my step. I'm calling these people. I'm calling this person. Even with the sister who was freaking out, like when there was a tension with, with Wendy and her sister, Tony had it under control. She wasn't offended by anything. She's like, sorry, this is what, like, like the sister was like, you're telling her where she's going. And she's like, it's our policy to talk about a future with all of yeah. our patients. Like she was just, it was very controlled performance, but it wasn't boring. And I, I thought that was, Few actors could have done that, like Tony. Very true. This is a this is a role that I wouldn't have liked to see anybody else play, mm -hmm. which I could say about any Tony role. But Tony, I feel like, was particularly suited to this. Uh, my favorite Tony moment was her first appearance. There's this really long shot of her coming into the mm -hmm. home and saying hi to like everybody, and like high fiving them and addressing them by name. And I thought that it was very like breezy beautiful cover girl and knowing <laughs> that all of those actors in that in that shot in that one shot were like actual people who um with special needs like love i loved 
the, how many they probably had to do that take a few times and like get it right and like the interactions it's a very complicated take and she was just so like effortless with it yeah so they all were so yeah. commended uh next is a custom award which can go to anything so ashley what was your custom award my custom award was for uh best latent film cameo ever I mean, late, yeah, late in film cameo was to Patton Oswalt. Because I don't think I've ever seen such a late cameo. And I loved it. It made me want that in every film. It's like five minutes before film ended. It was just like Robert De Niro for like a second. Wait, which movie? If, no, this didn't happen, but I wish oh. it would. <laughs> if you were watching like, I'm like, what's a, if you were watching like Marriage Story, which I haven't seen. And then like. It's like a, it's, it's like a, you know, an A-list cast. But then in the last five minutes, Robert De Niro's just the bus driver, inexplicably. I'd be like, this is fantastic. Actually, Marriage Story has one of those. There's this like random woman. I mean, she's not famous really, but there's this uh, social worker who appears in the last like 10 minutes and she's amazing. Oh, yeah. Wow. Guys. The social worker ruled. Um, my <laughs> custom award was best supporting actress and it goes to the old woman who takes Dakota Fanning on the bus. Yeah. When the guy is and trying probably to probably dies. The guy is trying to charge Dakota Fanning $18 for like a bag of mini Snickers bars and the woman pops into frame and goes, "Don't cheat her." And I wrote down immediately best supporting actress best woman I've ever seen on film, period. He actually won the Oscar for that movie. Yeah. Uh, Jake, what was your custom award? Mine is um, the worst line reading award to, to Wendy's sister, because it's like her and Tony chilling at a motel waiting for news. And she just, <laughs> the scene starts and her sister just goes, I hope she's okay. And I, I literally said out loud, no shit, you hope she's okay. <laughs> like, she ran away. Like, what are you going to say? Like, like yeah. I don't know. I was like, I laughed, actually. It's <laughs> like, that's not funny. Fun moment. Uh, it looks like we've reached the end of our podcast. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have anything going on that you want to plug? I was like, ugh, no. Uh, that's not true. Um, I get every Friday at 8 on the Improv NYC Twitch channel, me and my indie team do, especially someone, do a little do a little improv comedy. That's the only thing in my life at the moment. <laughs> oh, my God. That's one more thing than a lot of us have. Exactly. <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> that's great. Uh, thank, well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, um, thank you so much that was yeah. so fun and, and next be... week listeners is hereditary so get ready to be scared shitless like i am and so nervous to watch this movie again me too <laughs> bye bye <laughs>